Well, I hope everybody had a, a good Thanksgiving this week. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, I love gathering with my family around too much food and just enough football. Uh, even if my, my Detroit Lions came up short again um, in a year when finally they were supposed to win, they still couldn't. Um, but that's okay, because Thanksgiving is in the past, and it's finally time to look forward to Christmas. So right after service this morning, we're going to deck the halls of the church with trees and ornaments and wreaths and garlands as part of our preparation for the, the Christmas season. And uh, We would love it uh, if you would stick around to help out, if you have time uh, today to stick around for a little bit afterwards to help us decorate. Um, I'm talking to you, all you Christmas people who decorated your house as soon as you turned off the porch light on Halloween. Um, and you're like, oh man, I miss that. I miss that feeling of decorating for Christmas. You can have it again today, right after service. So uh, you can get in on the Christmas action one more time, uh, getting ready for Christmas, uh, but not until after the sermon. So don't get too far ahead of me and just run out and start putting up trees. Um, we're going to finish our service first. So why don't we pray uh, and we'll jump in together. Father, uh, just want to thank you for um, an opportunity to gather um, that we, I think we take for granted sometimes, uh, the freedom that we have to gather, uh, to worship you, uh, to study your word, to talk about uh, the direction that you have planned uh, for our lives individually uh, and as a, a community of believers here in Decatur. Um, I also uh, want to thank you for the snow uh, and also that uh, it would go away soon uh, because we're not quite ready for that. So uh, thank you for how pretty it is and hopefully by the time service is done the roads are all clear and safe. So uh, I, I pray that you, uh, you would speak through me this morning, uh, that, that your, we would hear your words uh, and not mine. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so it seems to me like, people don't agree on very many things right now. I don't know if it's just me, um, but it seems looking around that agreement is hard to find. Uh, but I, I feel like there's at least one thing that we all seem to have in common. Uh, everyone hates to wait. And, and the reason I know this uh, is the guy who was aggressively honked his horn at me and flipped me off on Black Friday. Uh, he reminded me how much we all hate to wait. We, we hate waiting. Uh, for anything. We, we don't like it when we have to stand in line at the post office uh, or the DMV. We don't like sitting at a, a stoplight uh, behind someone who's texting when the light turns green. Uh, we don't like pulling into a gas station when all the pumps are, are being used and we have to wait for one. We don't uh, like waiting in the checkout line at the grocery store when the person in front of us is writing a check uh, instead of just tapping their card. Uh, we're like, what year do we live in? I don't understand what's happening. Um, and we don't like waiting for any of these things, right? We hate it. We hate waiting. And I'm going to prove it to you with a couple scenarios that I want you to put yourself in this morning. So here's the first one. You're at a toll booth. Um, so see, before COVID, we used to have these things called toll booths that had people in them. Uh, instead of, so instead of just getting billed for whatever amount the, the computer, some computer somewhere decides that we owe for driving on that road, it used to be a set amount that we would pay at a toll booth. So you're at the toll booth because you forgot to pay for your iPass again, and uh, you pick what looks like the shortest line and you're pretty proud of yourself. But the driver of the car in front of you decides that this is a great time to have a nice chat with the, the person operating the toll booth. And you can't switch lanes because you're too far up, right? The concrete walls are, are now there in your way. You can't back out because there's a car behind you waiting in line as well. So I want, to think, I want you to think through how would you would react and be honest with yourself about your reaction. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a few possible responses. A, first, first possibility, is you're really happy. 
you're really happy that this driver and this toll booth operator value community as much as they do. <laughs> and you start to think about forming a, a small group with them uh, that meets every week, right? <laughs> or B, how about B? You're really excited for your turn to talk with the toll booth operator, and you start thinking about all the things that you might share with them. Um, maybe that's your reaction. Maybe you'll invite them to the Christmas Eve service at Northwest Christian Church at 7 p.m. on December 24th. Maybe. Just, you know, off the top of my head. Or C, you attempt to drive your car into the one-foot space between their car and the toll booth operator <laughs> to get through, right? That's, I feel like, some version of that is most of our reaction. Here's a second scenario. You're, you've been sitting in the waiting room at your doctor's office for an hour and a half. You've been watching multiple people who arrived after you get called back before you. So how you respond here? A, you feel grateful for the chance to catch up on the 1996 Reader's Digest. <laughs> or B, you get fully invested in the morning talk show with no volume that's playing on all the TVs and you start making up dialogue that, that maybe is what they're saying. Or C, you, you fake hyperventilating to get immediate attention and get like brought back into, into the back. Nobody likes waiting. We, we hate it. And we all have different ways of coping with how much we hate waiting. Uh, some of us start listening to Christmas music and watching Christmas movies in October because we hate waiting so much and we want to cope with it. Uh, some people pay for the highest internet speed uh, known to man, uh, available on planet Earth and they pay for the no commercials package on every streaming service that they could possibly get their hands on. Uh, some people pay extra for same-day shipping because uh, they, they need their things in an hour instead of a day. Uh, some people break the sound barrier as they drive on the highway. Some people run, uh, run up crushing debt uh, for all the latest whatevers. Um, and it's hard to blame people for these coping mechanisms because we've been told our whole lives that we shouldn't have to wait for anything. Our whole lives we've been trained not to wait, that, that waiting isn't something that we should have to do. And that's why it's so hard when there's nothing we can do about waiting. See, there's some things in life that, it's, that there's just waiting and there's just nothing we can do. Think about uh, a single person who wants to be married but can't seem to find the right person. The waiting. Think about uh, the, the couple who desperately wants to, to have children and start a family but their prayers keep going unanswered. It's, there's waiting. The, the person who longs to, to have work that's meaningful and significant, but they can't seem to get the job that they want, they're waiting. Or the, or the person with health problems and, and no answers, and they're on their way to the fifth doctor in the last two months, uh, and they're, they're waiting. Or what about, what about Abraham, who was 75 years old when God says, hey, Abraham, you're going to become a father. You're going to become a father, and you'll be the ancestor of a great nation. And Abraham's like, finally, I've been waiting for so long. And then God's like, but it won't happen for like 24 years. You get, I mean, you're too young, <laughs> right? You've got to wait till you're 99 to, to have a kid, right? And, and how about when God told uh, his people Israel that, that they would be a free nation and leave the slavery of Egypt for independence, but then they had to wait for 400 years before that happened. And then when God told Moses that he would lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land, but only after wandering around the wilderness for 40 more years. Noah waited for the rain to fall while looking silly with a huge boat in his yard. Um, David waited to build the temple that he wanted to build for God. The Israelites waited for a time when they could 
return back home from the, their exile when they were con- a conquered people uh, in Assyria and Babylon and Persia. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and that's not even to mention the promise throughout the entire Old Testament that God would send a Messiah, that God would send a Savior uh, to, to earth. While they were waiting for all these other things, they were waiting for that as well. They waited generation after generation, century after century, and God seemed silent, almost like he had forgotten about them, he had, almost like he had forgotten his promise. And then when the Messiah finally did come, only a few people recognized him for what he really was. And, and Luke 2 tells us about two people who recognized the Messiah, and I think, I think they were among the first two to recognize him because they had been intentionally waiting for God's promise. The first was a man named Simeon, uh, who the Bible says was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him and by the oh, I'm sorry, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he had kind of an advantage, right? God told, God gave him a little bit of a time frame uh, that that his waiting would be fruitful. Uh, that, that he wouldn't die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Now, that doesn't give him, I mean, that his time frame could be like his whole life, and it almost was, um, but at least he knew that God promised that this would happen in my lifetime, uh, and he had been waiting. He'd been waiting his whole life for this moment uh, when he saw this baby uh, that he, uh, he immediately recognized as the Savior God promised. He realized that his waiting was finally over, uh, finally the thing that God had promised him. There was another prophet there that day named Anna. Uh, the Bible says she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. That she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Uh, coming up to them, Mary and Joseph, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Looking forward to is the same word uh, in the New Testament for waiting for. All, who, all the people who had been waiting for this um, and she was among them, uh, and their, their waiting was finally over. And the Bible is full of these examples of waiting, right? Uh, because waiting reminds us that we're not in charge. In the waiting room, we're not in control. We're at the mercy of someone else to call us back, to end our waiting. We're not in control in the waiting room. And, and there are different kinds of waiting. Um, there's pointless waiting, which I think a lot of us think all waiting is pointless waiting, but there's pointless waiting that generally is a waste of time, um, like the DMV, uh, or, or a traffic jam. A lot of traffic jams are like, what is the point of this? Uh, there's, you, know, you get to the end, you're like, there wasn't even construction or an accident. We all just decided to stop at the same time. So that was great. So point, there's pointless waiting uh, that, that is just super annoying. There's, there's dreaded waiting. Uh, there, there's waiting for, for things that, like, you're, you're, that scare you. Right, like when your teenager breaks curfew and you don't know where they are. Uh, I'm not speaking from experience or anything. Or, uh, or, when, or when you've had medical tests and you're waiting for them to come back. They haven't come back yet. Or, or when you know that there are layoffs coming up at work and, and you don't know. You don't know, will I have a job in a month? Um, that's, that's dreaded waiting. There's excited waiting. Uh, like when you have an upcoming vacation uh, or you're planning a wedding or you're having a baby, um, there's, there's excitement surrounding uh, those kinds of waits. But today I want to talk about another kind of waiting, a different kind of waiting. I want to talk about Advent waiting. And I don't mean the kind of Advent waiting where you buy the latest calendar and get some new gift for every day for 24 days while you're waiting for even more presents on Christmas Day, right? Because to me that's kind of the opposite of waiting, right? That's 
I'm not gonna, I can't wait, so I need to give myself something every day for, for 25 days. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just me, but like, just kind of side note, have you guys noticed that Advent calendars are like kind of out of control right now? Like, we've, we've been doing this a long time. We've been doing countdowns to Christmas for a long time, a lot of years. But I feel like recently, like, it's, it's gotten crazy, right? Just the, the stuff that you can get. I actually did a little research this week on, like, the kinds of Advent calendars that are available this year. And I made a list for you uh, so you didn't have to do the research yourself. So um, here are just some of the Advent calendars that you can buy right now. Chocolates, obviously. I mean, that's the classic. You can buy an advent calendar with, with candies, um, cookies, jams, makeup, skincare products, jewelry, Funko Pops, Matchbox cars, Barbies, Legos, socks, candles, hot sauce. Okay? Coffee, uh, tea, chapsticks. 24, okay, chapsticks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, gemstones, cheese, which, does that need to be refrigerated? I, anyway, uh, popcorn, Harry Potter candies, Play-Doh, beef jerky, down for that, wine, dog treats, cat toy, dog treats, anyway. <laughs> Hair products, Pokemon, Coco Melon, Bluey, and there are hundreds more. Um, in fact, you can, you can get them as cheaply as a dollar. Well, I guess a dollar twenty-five. The dollar store is the dollar twenty-five store now. But you can get them as cheaply as a dollar twenty-five. Or the most expensive one that I saw is a is a hundredth anniversary Disney advent calendar that's put off by put out by uh, Swarovski Crystal. Uh, and there's a crystal Disney ornament each day for twenty-four days uh, for the low low price of thirteen hundred dollars. Um, so you know, run out and buy yours today, right? There's hundreds of these advent calendars. So even the things that we designed to help us wait for Christmas to get here are actually not, uh, they're about not waiting. They're about, I, I can't wait to get presents. So uh, waiting for me looks like actually getting a present every single day. Um, and, and, you know, and that's what waiting is for us. And that's not what I mean by advent waiting. I went back to, I went to Catholic high school uh, way back in the day and, uh, and w- not even in this century. <laughs> and, and even though even though liturgy and ritual aren't usually very meaningful things for me spiritually, they're not really my, uh, my spiritual love language, Advent was an exception. Um, th- there's something about Christmas that lends itself to traditions. Um, whether it's family traditions or church traditions, there's something about the season that kind of lends itself to traditions. And, and returning to the story of our Savior's birth at the end of every year has spiritual value for us. Um, and, and, and so we continue to do it. And I remember walking into school after Thanksgiving break, and every year you'd walk in, and, and prominently in our, in our Catholic high school was a, a huge uh, Advent wreath right in the lobby. Something like uh, what's behind me today, uh, this huge Advent wreath right in the lobby. There's four candles, three purple, one pink, uh, and we would have set scripture readings every week that would rotate every year to highlight the themes of Advent. And, and you know, in this Catholic high school, we would have a service, an Advent service, each week of Advent leading up to Christmas, uh, where we would do these things. Um, and so let me walk you through, if you're like me and you, and you did, you know, you, you're not like liturgy and, and, and ritual and this isn't super familiar to you, real, real quickly, let me walk you through what, what this is about. Uh, the first candle in, in this wreath is purple. It's known as the prophecy candle. Uh, it symbolizes hope. 
And it's supposed to remind us uh, that Jesus uh, is coming back. Um, you know, we think of Advent, that, that the whole Advent idea is thinking about Christmas, but really the, two weeks of, the first two weeks of Advent are thinking forward uh, about the, the second coming, about how Jesus has promised to come again, to return. Um, and so it, it reminds us that Jesus is coming back to lead us out of darkness and into salvation. Uh, the second candle is also purple, and it's known as the Bethlehem candle. Uh, and that one symbolizes peace. It represents Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem uh, for the census. Uh, the third candle is known as the shepherd's candle. The third candle is the pink one. Uh, and, and it represents our joy. The, the joy that we have in our faith during this season uh, in particular. And then the last candle is the other purple one. Uh, and it's known as the angel's candle. Uh, it symbolizes God's love for the world, Christ's love for us, our love for our neighbors, um, so each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, leading up to Christmas Day, focuses on a different gift that God has for us while we wait. Hope, peace, joy, and love. So I guess in that sense, it is kind of like our Advent calendars, right? Each week, we are focusing on remembering, oh, God, God promises us hope. God gives us peace. God uh, fills us with joy. God uh, expresses his love for us in so many different ways. And, and we intentionally remember. Um, and the waiting that comes with the Advent season can be really fun because it's finite. We, we know what's coming at the end is going to be good. It's Christmas. Uh, and we know exactly how many days we have left to wait for it. And so we know when the waiting is going to be over. Uh, and so we can have fun with it. Um, because, honestly, we're still kind of in control of this waiting. But, but there's a lot of waiting that we experience in life that's not in our control. It's just totally open-ended. Um, we wait for, for deeper friendships. We wait for love, for family, for justice, for healing. And, and the hardest thing about waiting is not knowing when it's going to end. Or, or if it's going to end. We don't, I mean, we might be waiting forever for all we know. And, and, and that's why Advent is about more than just waiting for Christmas Day. Advent runs deeper than that. The, the word Advent uh, is a Latin word that means arrival. It's a translation of the Greek word parousia. Um, and that's a word throughout the New Testament that refers to the second coming. Um, when Jesus will come back, when he will return like he promised. And like I said, the first two weeks of Advent are focused on the way that we are waiting for the second coming, the thing that, we, that we're waiting for. And so we can relate to God's people in the Old Testament uh, who have been waiting for the Messiah. When we read these prophecies at Christmas time, we can relate to that because we are also waiting for the Messiah to arrive just as God promised. Not in exactly the same way, but in a very similar way. We're also waiting for the Messiah to arrive. And then the last two weeks of Advent look back at how God did keep his promise the first time to remind us that our waiting will eventually end, that God will keep his promise in his time. And I think Advent waiting is different than other kinds of waiting in a few important ways. And I want to kind of walk through these uh, to end, which is totally deceptive because it makes it sound like I'm about to end, and I'm not. Um, <laughs> but we're going to walk through these at, you know, to kind of land this. Uh, first of all, Advent waiting is expectant. It, it's, we're expecting something. It's the cry of God's people in a minor key, O come, O come, Emmanuel. This desperate cry, ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Every verse in that song is begging for God to show up, 
for God to keep his promise, for God to, to arrive the way that he has promised. And, and the, chorus, the chorus answers every one of those begging verses with rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. And so we're begging God to do this, but then in the chorus we're saying re- rejoice because we know it's going to happen. Advent is about asking God to come near to us and expecting that he will. In James chapter 5, we're told, be patient, because we're super good at that. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, for the Lord's coming is near. This word for patience shows up a whole bunch of times just in these verses, and it carries the idea of waiting with calm and expectation. In that region of the world, in the eastern Mediterranean, there are two seasons of rain needed in order to produce a healthy crop. And so not only is this farmer patiently waiting for the harvest, he's also confident in the expectation that the rains and the harvest will come in their time, in in the seasons where they're supposed to come. The farmer can't do anything about the weather except wait, but his waiting also involves a bunch of hard work right, in order to prepare for when the weather does come. For when the rain does arrive, he needs to be ready. Um, He can't make it rain, but he can work to be ready for when it does finally start raining. Confident that it will, he does his work to be ready. So expectant waiting, it's not just sitting around until something maybe randomly happens. It's getting ready for the thing God promised because we expect that he will follow through. Because he always has. Another difference uh, between Advent waiting and other kinds of waiting is that Advent waiting reminds us to make room. To make room in our lives. Um, I mean, obviously that, that gets us thinking about how there was no room for Mary and Joseph uh, anywhere when they, when they arrived in Bethlehem and any of the guest houses there. Because no one was really expecting the Messiah to be born that night, aside from, you know, Mary and Joseph. No one was really expecting that. If they had been expecting Jesus, they would have made room. You know, it it wasn't an intentional thing. It wasn't like we're going to make sure there's no room for the Savior. They just didn't know. They weren't expecting it. Um, But it's different for us. We we are expecting Jesus to return. And so we make room for him while we wait. The, The Messiah came the first time, just like God promised. Jesus lived and he taught. His disciples kept waiting for him to bring in the kingdom the way they expected, and he kept not doing that. Uh, You know, they wanted him to right the wrongs and restore uh, the nation of Israel, but instead, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, uh, but he didn't stay dead. Uh, On the third day, he rose again. He appeared to his disciples a bunch of times over the next weeks. Uh, And then in Acts, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. Uh, to, to, leave, to leave the earth, to ascend into heaven, and his disciples ask him again, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, f- finally, like, before you leave, one more thing. Is our waiting finally over? And, and instead of answering their question, Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised. And so they did, because what other choice did they have? They waited in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them. 
God, God has promised this. God has promised to fill his people with his presence, but we need to wait. We need to make room uh, for God's spirit to live in us uh, and, and, and indwell us the way God has promised. So Advent waiting reminds us to, wait, to make room. It's also hopeful. Um, unlike most other kinds of waiting, uh, that, that you know, I, you don't, we don't really associate waiting with hopeful expectation, but Advent waiting is. Um, even, even though God sent his spirit to live in his people, the time of waiting uh, isn't over for us. Uh, we have God living inside of us, but we're still waiting. Uh, Paul, Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 8, when he says, uh, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. God sent Jesus to die for our sin. He sent the Spirit to live in us and guide us, but the problems of sin and evil are still in the world. And, and we see reminders of that every single day, basically. I mean, uh, we, everywhere we look, we're reminded that, like, oh, things aren't the way they should be. And Romans 8 promises that one day God will fix that. God will set the whole creation free from the decay uh, that twists everything uh, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way back to the fa- our fall into sin. Uh, and this idea of waiting runs all through the Bible, all the way to the, the very last words uh, in the Bible. In the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, John closes the book by saying, uh, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And it may not seem like it, but compared to the eternal life that's promised us in our future, it it is going to be soon. Uh, And so we need to to hang on. You know, that's kind of the theme of the book of Revelation, right? Hang on. It's not over yet. God has made promises and he will follow through. Hang on. And then John writes, amen, agreed, come, Lord Jesus. And so we, we will wait because what other choice do we have? We, we will wait. And while we wait, the Bible says we suffer. Awesome, right? It's exactly what we want to hear. While we wait, we suffer. Bad stuff happens. Now, I'm not saying that God is up there like zapping people with bad stuff because he's a masochist of some kind, but this world is bent and twisted and filled with sin and not the way God intended for it to be because, you know, we mess it up constantly and bad things keep happening. Maybe we bring them on ourselves, maybe other people do them to us, but bad things keep happening uh, and we suffer while we wait. But Paul says that even suffering while we wait isn't pointless He says that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance builds our character and character produces hope. God is using our circumstances while we wait to teach us the power of hope. Waiting, it's not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is the process of becoming what God wants us to be. What God does in us while we wait is just as important as the thing we're waiting for. 
hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they can see? If I already had it, I wouldn't have to hope for it. But we hope for what we don't see yet. We hope for what's been promised to us. We hope uh, for, for the future that God has laid out for us. And, and the only way that works is if we also trust. Hope and trust go together. The only way hope works is if we also trust. Trust the one who made the promises in the first place. That's the last thing I think that makes Advent waiting different from other waiting. Advent waiting builds our trust in God. Will I trust that God has good reasons for telling me to wait? even though I don't know what they are. Will I trust that God knows what he's doing, even though I can't figure it out at all? Will I remember, the things, uh, will I remember that things look differently to God than they look to me? That's what Peter's talking about in, in 2 Peter 3.8 when he says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And when Peter wrote this, uh, disappointment was developing all around him that Jesus had not returned as soon as some people thought he would. There, there was a, a, a not small group of, of early Christians who expected that Jesus would return pretty quickly. Uh, within a couple years, or maybe a 10 years, maybe a decade, or while they were still alive, certainly. And the longer it went on, where Jesus didn't come back the way he promised, the more doubt started creeping in, as it does when you have to wait, right? The more doubt started creeping in. Is this what God meant? Is this really going to happen for me? Um, and, and some people were taking advantage of that doubt to openly question whether Jesus was coming back at all. You misunderstood it. That's not what God meant. He's not coming back. Since he hadn't come back yet, he must not be coming at all. And if he's not coming at all, why would he not come? Well, it's because he doesn't really care about what's happening here on earth. He left us on our own to kind of do whatever we think is best, whatever we want. It sounds kind of familiar, right? That it's, I feel like it's kind of where we are now. Where, you know, we've been waiting so long that we almost forget that God has made this promise that he's going to come back. And we're just like, well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know, anything we want to do, whatever seems good. Um, and and it, it's, it, that's what was happening. Because it's so easy for us to get impatient and, and frustrated by, by what's happening uh, around us, by frustrated by any, any of the delays that we have to experience. Any changes in our plans uh, are so frustrating for us. But, but not to God. God is, God is patient. God is willing to, to let as much time pass as is needed for the work that his, he, he's planning to do, right? God, and, and Peter says that, that's because God experiences time differently than we do. Now, he's not setting up a math equation between a God day and, and a human thousand years. Like, it's, there's not an equal sign there. Uh, there's is like, you know, it's, it's a, 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 you know, a simile. It's like that, um, not, not equal to that. Uh, he's just saying that God views time differently than we do. God's not in a hurry. God's voice is never frantic. When, when you hear desperate thoughts running through your head or panicky thoughts or frantic thoughts, you can be pretty confident that's not God's voice. God isn't inciting you to panic. 
God is patient. God is willing to wait to give us the time needed to repent and turn back to him, really is what this verse says, before the end comes. So this doesn't mean he's not coming, but it means that God is patient, that we don't know when Jesus is coming. Despite what some people uh, will say to try to sell their books and get their voice out there, we don't, if Jesus didn't know, then that dude that wrote a book also doesn't know. Um, that's all I'm saying. So we don't know. We don't know when God's coming back. Um, all we know is that we're waiting. Uh, we're waiting for it to happen. And at some unexpected point, he will come back and our waiting will be over. But in the meantime, we wait. We wait. And so really our question is, what do we do while we wait? How, can, how do we wait well? God uses this waiting to, to kind of reverse our instinct to, to try to make things happen on our own. Um, I feel like we all kind of do this all the time. I certainly do this to make things happen. You, you've heard, uh, don't just stand there, do something. Like we say, they are, we say that all the time, right? To ourselves probably more than to anybody else because it's kind of aggressive. But like, don't just stand there, do something. And sometimes I wonder if maybe God flips that. If maybe God flips that into don't just do something, stand there. It reminds me of, of you know, in, in, in Exodus when he's talking to Moses and the people are coming out of Egypt and they, they run up against a, a barrier, an entire sea, a whole body of water. And Moses, is, there's the temptation for all the people to, to really panic. And, and, you know, we misunderstood what God is saying, what he wants for us. And God says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Stop spinning your wheels and wait. And it's so hard. It's so hard. All the time, but man, at Christmas time, stop spinning your wheels. Stop flipping out that Christmas is in a month. Just wait. Because we've turned Christmas into this thing. Into, and I'm not saying, like, don't buy gifts and don't celebrate. Do that. But we've turned it into this thing where that's what it is. That's what it's about. And we've got to rush. We've got to run. We've got to sprint. We've got to break the speed limit to go get all of our stuff done. And we miss all of this expectant waiting that builds trust and hope uh, that, that we could have if we, if we slowed down a little bit during the season. Waiting forces us to trust God, to, to expect him to show up to make room for him when he does because it teaches us to hope for what we don't see yet. And, and Christmas feels like this crazy frantic rush to get everything done, but Advent reminds us that God's not in a rush. And, and nothing we do will force him to move any faster than he's decided to move. So instead, we light our candles and we remember, we remember the things that God has already done for his people in, in their past, but also for us in our past. And we wait. We wait for God to do the things he's promised to do for his people in their past and for us in our present. We remember and we wait as Christmas is coming. Let's pray. God, this is so hard. It's so hard to wait. Maybe especially at this time of year, it's hard to wait. Um, we, want to, 
we want to go running into all of the Christmas things. And, and man, all those things are fun and really are great. And so my prayer is just that while, while we do those things, that you fill us with these things, these gifts that you've promised us uh, in this Advent season. That you fill us uh, with your peace, with your love. You fill us with joy. Father, that, that, that you would fill us with all these things, with, with the hope that you've promised us to, to look forward uh, to the, the fulfillment of the promises uh, that you've given us. And so God, before we, before we rush into the next thing, before we rush into decorating the church for Christmas right after this service, we, we pause and take a moment to remember and hope. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. See, that moment is communion. Because communion is an exercise in waiting and remembering. We do this every week, not just at Christmas time. Um, it's a practice that Jesus started uh, with his disciples at the Last Supper when he, he broke bread to symbolize his body and he drank from the cup to symbolize uh, a new covenant through his blood. And in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, whenever you drink Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. While we wait, over and over, again and again, we do this to remember and to continue to build our hope and trust. Uh, and we take communion every week at Northwest uh, as a reminder for what God already did for us uh, and a reminder of what we're waiting for when he returns as he's promised. So when the tray uh, passes by, take a set of cups. They're stacked. The, the bread's on the bottom because the other way around is messy. Um, the bread's on the bottom. The juice is on the top. Uh, and so take a, a stack of cups when the tray passes by and then just hold on to them uh, and I'll come back up and lead us through uh, taking communion together. His body given for us and his blood poured for us. Isaiah 40 says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Like it or not, waiting on God actually gives you strength. And Christmas is four weeks away. It's a busy season. Uh, but don't lose sight of what it is we're celebrating. If it helps... I know I made fun of this a little bit earlier, but we have Advent calendars. <laughs> if it helps, uh, you can grab one of these, one of these Advent calendars on your way out. They're um, under the camera right in front of the sound booth in the center aisle. Um, and you can grab one of these. Uh, you don't get candy or a toy every day, uh, but you will find a scripture reading every day uh, leading up to Christmas on the front. Um, and then you, you'll find on the back, there are some kind of bigger ideas that you can do together with your family. Uh, there's four of them, so kind of like one each week would be a way to do it. Or if you wanted to do one week where you did all four, however you want. Uh, there's just some ideas, uh, a tool that you can use um, if, if this uh, will help with the you know, intentional waiting idea. We want to do that. Also, the, don't forget about the reverse Advent calendar uh, for the food pantry. That's another way to kind of intentionally wait uh, and think about others during this season. Um, and then also, again, don't forget, we are going to stick around and decorate for Christmas. And so after we close, if you want to kind of hang out, um, there's, you know, we'll, we'll be putting up a big tree in here and the foyer and kids ministry and uh, down the fellowship hall. So there'll be like some different places where you can uh, join in and, and help out. So why don't we close with one more song uh, while we're dismissed this morning.